Each week, this program will address some of life's challenges, such as sexual abuse, suicide, rape, bullying, and more. Many of us face challenges like these in everyday life. Chantel shows us that we can overcome these challenges as well as be the light in the darkness of others who face similar setbacks. Now, here is your host, Chantel. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. This is Chantel, and you are listening to Chantel Inspires. You know, last week we had a wonderful guest on our show, and her name was Angela Drake, and she spoke to us about suicide and the aftermath and what her daughter went through prior to taking her life. And Angela is definitely a beacon of light for those parents and survivors that are going through the grief and sorrow of losing a loved one. She has turned her sorrow into being an advocate for the suicide attempters and those with that illness to try to help them overcome their depression, their, excuse me, their thoughtful or their thoughtlessness as, um, as far as not knowing what to what to do next, where to go. And she gave us wonderful information on how to get help for their situation. But today we have a follow-up and we are talking to the wonderful Joe Hosman. <laughs> and she is not only a dear friend of mine, but she is also another host on Voice America. She has her own channel or her own radio show and she is the one that actually got me onto Voice America. So Joe, I want to thank you for that. And I want to welcome you to our show. We are gonna to talk to Joe about her book, Go For It. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna talk about overcoming grief. And it's a wonderful follow-up to last week's show. So I want you all to welcome Joe Hosman. Well, thank you, Chantel. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. So glad you have a radio show on Voice America. Yes, me too. <laughs> it's so much fun, isn't it? It is. It's quite the adventure. <laughs> <laughs> we love adventures, and you are so good about sharing your story and sharing other people's stories. Thank you. So, yes, thank you so much for uh, letting me out. And the name of my book is Go For It, A Woman's Guide to Perseverance. And you can find that on Amazon and my website, joehosman.com. Perfect. So, Joel, do you want to give us a little overview? I just kind of want people to understand what your book is about. First of all, the title, mm-hmm. Go For It. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with that? Well, I've always said, almost like my whole life, I always remember saying, just go for it. Just do what you need to do and go for it. Or I'm just going to go for it. You know, <laughs> I'm one of those people that will just take chances and take risks, even though sometimes... I kind of jump in, maybe, you know, just jump in and not really know what the circumstances are going to be. But that's also what's made me me. And that's also what's made me adventurous. And a lot of my friends will go, my goodness gracious, you're kind of crazy. But I like that. And because I'm living the life that I want to now. However, that always wasn't the, the choice. I became a single mom early on. I was married, but we got divorced after a couple of years. And I had a son, have a son. He is now 26, but at that time, I was raising him by myself, Yeah. and I decided that I was going to move halfway across the country with him due to I wanted a better job. 
And people thought I was, I don't know, 26, 27 at the time. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to go for it. And I did. And the best thing I ever did was do that because of the fact that I was able to make it on my own. Yeah. As a single mom, my son was only two and a half at the time, but I was able to make it on my own and prove to myself, not only everybody else, but myself that I was able to do it. So from there, we eventually moved um, to Colorado, which I wanted to be, met and married a wonderful man. And unfortunately, he was diagnosed with a deadly illness in 2007, passed away in 2010. Also, the same time my son was going off to college, so I had an at-home business, and all this was happening. I really decided, and after he passed, it was really time to take my life back. And again, it was all about go for it and going after my dreams. Hence, that's where the book came from. So it's Go For It, A Woman's Guide to Perseverance. And I've been just, and I know my late husband would be very proud, and just going after what I want in life. That's wonderful. That's quite the summary. Yeah. In about my whole lifespan in about two minutes. Yes. (laughs) Well, actually, I had your son as my student when I was teaching at the university. Yeah, you did, didn't you? That's how I made the the connection connection. with first. Yes. That's right. And um, Joe is actually the neighbor of my sister, so we get to it's see a each other quite world. often. It's a very small world. And now your cat seems to be my neighbor right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Joe is in studio with me, so we are just kind of having a fun time. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> um, Joe, before we go to break, where were you living when you uh, got a divorce and you moved halfway across to Colorado? Yep. So I was living uh, in South Dakota at the time, and then, oh. yep, and we got divorced, and I decided I was going to move to Nevada, of all places, which was great because I, I I worked for corporate America at that time, so I was actually transferring, but I knew I wanted bigger and better, and I knew I wanted to make more money, mm-hmm. and there I was able to make a lot more money, and the cost of living was pretty decent for, you know, for sure. what I was coming from. And that's really where I went to, is to Nevada. And I wasn't there a real long time, but from there I knew I could do anything. Honestly, I just like opened up my world. Oh, yeah, because you were kind of out there on your own, no family, no... No, no family, no just nothing. Just you and just Cody. Just me and my boy. Yeah. Yep, oh, and we, we made it work. Gosh, that's great. So what job did you get when you were there, can I ask? Yeah, it was with, uh, I did disability claims. Oh. So I did disability claims. I did that kind of all throughout uh, the different places that I went to. So I worked for Social Security Disability, and I did disability claims. So I saw a lot of stuff that people went through. Mm. I know I always wanted to be a nurse when I was in college, but I never, I didn't want to go through all that studying. So doing (laughs) those disability claims kind of gave me that feel for being in the healthcare field. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. it was it was um it was it was a great experience it really was and I'm glad again because then it also showed my son even though he was really young but he remembers now us moving and he also knows now that he can do whatever he you know that needs to to fulfill his life oh I think that's very important mm-hmm. that our kids see how strong we are absolutely because they they will follow that path usually especially with a single parent absolutely if they see you strong they're going to want to be strong for you too absolutely especially a mother-son bond yes the mother-son bond is unshakable undeniable and you know you know you have both a daughter and a son (laughs) but the mother-son bond is unshakable and it doesn't matter 
because he'll always be there. And, you know, I don't know. The moving experience was just like a life life-altering experience for me because it just gave me so much more freedom, my freedom and my life back. Wonderful. Um, well, we're going to head to break here. This is a good time to break. So okay. we'll go to commercial and we will be back with Joe Hosman. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Chantel Inspires. To reach the show, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Chantel at ChantelInspires.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, and welcome back. Thanks for rejoining us. Our guest today is Joe Hosman, the author of Go For It. Now, Joe also does some speaking and coaching and a whole bunch of other things that she likes to do, and she's very good at them. So, Joe, let's talk about your book, Go For It. When did you start writing that? Well, what happened is how I came to a book, and let me tell you, I never in a million years would have thought I ever would have wrote a book. I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But it's yep. because of life circumstances, sometimes there, we put ourselves out, well, I wouldn't even say that, but we get into a, we get into something that we need to. It, for me, it was more of a healing process, but I started thinking about it in 2012 when Cody, my son, had come home from college, and he brought a book home from a professor who was a widower. Him and another gentleman um, had written a book, and he said, Mom, we should really write a book. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Well, I happened to, uh, was talking to somebody, they they gave me the name of a publisher, and I contacted the publisher, and lo and behold, I started my book in 2014, and it was published then in January of 16. Okay. So, it took me about a year and a half to write it. Uh, It was a labor of love and just a labor, because there (laughs) were so many times I was just going to say, forget it, nobody's ever going to read this book, it's just basically just for me. But I thought, you know, there's a reason 
I, my, I have a firm belief that there's a reason for everything in life. So I decided to get the book done and just if nobody ever bought it or even one person bought it, I figured I've done myself good. Well, it became an international bestseller after three weeks. And I'm like, all right, that number one international bestseller. And I thought, all right, then there's something to this. Yeah. But the hardest <laughs> part was, was putting it out on Facebook and social media because part of the process of the publisher said, you have to promote it on social media. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I, I, um, paced my floor for like two hours before I decided, all right, just suck it up, buttercup, get it done. <laughs> so I did. And nobody knew I'd written the book. My son and I, and I think one other person, no family members, no, nobody else knew I'd done it. So it was really good for me to just put myself out there like that. And because of that, now I, I started speaking around the country. I've been asked to speak internationally as well. So I love to go speak to different uh, organizations. And then because of all of that, people ask me all the time uh, uh, some life coaching questions and also business coaching. I have grown all my businesses on social media. And the best part I love about it is now I'm able to coach people how to grow their businesses exponentially, both on social media and uh, just you know, growing their business through marketing and other terms, but also life coaching. Because if your if your life is not going so well, your business ain't going great. If your business is going great, sometimes your life's not going great, and vice versa. So that is where I come into play and really help out. Now, some people just want business coaching, some people just want life coaching, and that's fine. But a lot of times they intermingle with each other, and it's a joy for me to give back to other people and to be able to see them grow. But the best part is to watch their confidence level. You know, usually when they come to me, their confidence is pretty low. So when they come to me and after we're done working, man, their confidence just goes skyrocket. So it's it's a pleasure for me to be able to help them. And that's really how all this transpired. I'd been a virtual, ran my own virtual assistant business for 10 years. And then I ran a, I had opened up a brick and mortar store, had that for a couple of years. So I've been, I've done a lot of things But this is what I truly am passionate about. And my radio show on the Voice America Business Channel. Of course. That is my my number one, my number one love. So, yeah. So, I kind of do a variety of things, but uh, they all go hand in hand with my go-for-it business. And my go-for-it business has four divisions. So, I am the international syndicated radio show host. I am a speaker and best-selling author. I am a business and life coach. And then also, I'm a network marketing um, extraordinaire, as I call myself. <laughs> and that you are. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So when you were writing your book, because I know when I was writing mine, it was it was very emotional. It was hard to go back mm-hmm. to that time. But once I did, I, I felt the story just came through. I mean, it just kind of, bleh, there it was. Is that how you felt, or was yours a little bit more difficult? Yeah, I, I would say mine was, I, I felt it was difficult, like the early, because I really wrote about like the early years, up mm-hmm. until meeting Jim, and then Jim's passing, and then moving on afterwards, and it was, the very first part was hard, because it was talking about some hard times when I was a single mom, and then... Yeah. The good times, of course, was easy to write about. The hard times was hard to write about. It Again, it took me a year and a half to really hone in on what and how I wanted to sculpt all of it. And 
I had journaled. So after Jim had passed, I started journaling. Oh. And that really was healing. Now, I'd never heard of journaling. I didn't even know what journaling was. And I was like, I don't know if I even want to do this. But I, once I started doing it, it really got a lot of those feelings out and started healing a little bit. And then people started noticing I was, you know, getting more, I'm pretty outgoing anyway, but I was getting more outgoing. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm starting to do some things back for me. While writing the book, even though journaling is healing, but writing the book was super healing. I think that's what really put the healing, you know, really into place for me. Mm -hmm. Because of all the the grief that went along with it. And when somebody's sick for a while, there's a lot of grief that goes along or what ifs and could ifs, you know, that what could I have done differently? What could have the doctors done differently? What, you know, all of us could have done differently. But the thing is, you can't sit and beat yourself up over that because the what ifs and could ifs, I mean, they can eat you alive. And I yeah. learned that after a while. I learned that, that we just, I can't sit and dwell on that. The hard part was for me is I work from home and I was a solo, I am a solo entrepreneur. So I had to force myself to go out. Even though before he passed, I went out all the time and I met people all the time. But after he passed, I had to force myself to go out and mm-hmm. be with people because I didn't want people asking me questions. I didn't oh. want them going, oh, so now what? Well, I kind of wrote that in the book too. And I kind of <laughs> got a lot of feelings out in the book of how different people, um, and not, it, I'm not saying people in specifically, but groups of people would treat us just because people don't know. They don't understand. Right. They don't know what to say. Right. They don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's all part of the healing process. Would I recommend a book to everybody? Yeah, I would. Now, not everybody has that in their in their genetic makeup to write a book, and that's okay. It wasn't in mine either. It just happened to be, yeah. To me, it was God calling me and saying, "This, you know, this is what needs to be done." Mm-hmm. And I finally listened because there were so many times before that I could have and I didn't. So, boy, that sounds like me. I did for the healing part of it. Absolutely. And I think that is very healing is when you're going through and writing that and remembering all those things. It is healing because at that time that you're going through that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but during that time, you're hiding those feelings. You are trying to be strong for that person. And you don't really have time to grieve right. until you know, until after. And then you're just trying to survive after that. So I think writing the book is very healing, or it was for me. And, and I didn't go through, my book isn't about a loss. It's, you know, it's about the home front warrior thing. But still, I think it's very healing. It was for me. And it sounds like it was for you as well. Yeah. And, you know, yours was still a loss. And what I talk about, mm-hmm. cause I'll speak about overachieving grief to get to greatness. The okay. loss isn't always just the loss, like the physical loss, like the death of somebody. Mm-hmm. It could be like yours, you know, with your husband um, was overseas and at war and or friendships or, you know, even the loss of a job, loss of a house, it, whatever it is, whatever you perceive the loss is. It's there's, you know, that needs to be healing from that. Okay. And the older we get, the more of that kind of stuff happens. So I really encourage everybody, so if you don't want to write a book, at least at least, um, you know, write it in a journal. And that can start the healing process. And also, take care of your body. Take care of your, because when you're stressed and everything else is kind of going haywire, your body's going to start showing it. Mm-hmm. The stress on me was ultra bad, because you're right. 
Chantal, you don't want everybody else to know what's going on. At least I didn't. Mm-hmm. So then my body started saying, oh, wait a second. <laughs> you need to remember <laughs> to take care of me, too. Yes. So, and it was, yeah, it was quite the trying time for sure. Oh, well, and I think the things we struggle with, too, is not taking care of our body because we're too busy trying to stay strong for, like for you, staying strong for your son. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't going through, or seeing you go through and breaking down all the time and things like that. They have, you have to stay strong for who's left behind. And a lot of times that takes out a lot of your body. I mean, it really takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what, you know, the one thing I thought of was I thought, and I can't believe I even thought this, but at the time I did, I thought, well, I've already been through a divorce. I mean, God wouldn't let somebody die. Wouldn't let Mm -hmm. this wonderful man I know die. Well, yeah, Yeah. I wasn't, in a way I was blaming him, but in a way I I shouldn't have been blaming, but you just always question as human beings, that's what we do. Until I learned to accept all of it for what it was, Mm -hmm. then I stopped that. And now... I, I tell myself all the time how blessed I was to have him in my life and how blessed we were to have that time together. Oh, what absolutely. a wonderful stepdad he was to my son. Yes. In fact, he asked me to marry him by asking to be Cody's dad. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, exciting. Yeah, he wasn't even planning on asking me that night, and it was just like, all right, well. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an I opportunity. Can be, I can be kind of a, I, I know it's hard to believe, but I can be kind of a pistol sometimes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell me it's not so. <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe. I understand. <laughs> so how long were you guys married? Uh, we were married eight and a half years. We were together oh. 10 years, a little over okay. 10 years, but we were married eight and a half. And so he, he had never been married before. Oh, okay. So it's his first marriage. So he went headfirst in, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. And he was 10 years older than me, and he did. he did really well for never having children and you know, Cody was, Cody's always a good kid. There's no doubt about it. And he, but he was all boy and he loves sports. Yeah. And, and, but Jim taught him how to play football. He coached his baseball team. What oh, a dad nice. should do. Right. So, very yeah, nice. I, we are very, very lucky. Yeah, it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a man to come in to a ready made family and to be his first marriage and his first uh, step into fatherhood. And not being his father, you know, biologically, that's wonderful. For a man to do that is just, and I I give kudos to that because I have a stepfather that stepped into the same thing and uh, he has been my rock. He really has. Yeah. I I give so much credit to men and women who can do that. To step into that role as a parent, as a step parent, and really hone in on it and treat them, treat that child like their own. Yeah, because that is key. Because when you mm-hmm. you not only marry that person, you marry the family. Yeah, absolutely. And that's got to be in the forefront. Absolutely. So. Yep. Yeah. So it's been it's been a, quite the journey, but I will tell you, it's it's been a faithful journey. And you know, really, I I put God first, and once I started doing that, and just honing in onto who I am, mm-hmm. it really has come to full fruition. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a little break here, Joe, um, and we will come back in a few, and we will be back with Joe Hosman.
Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. encouraged and connected on our lively award-winning healthy living power hour star style be the star you are with host and empowerment architect cynthia bryan live every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific on the voice america empowerment channel tune in to the power party for positive uplifting life-changing talk radio visit starstyleradio.com sometimes feel powerless over your own life? Does it seem like you're living for someone else, unsure of what your purpose is, or if you even have an important voice? It's time to take back that control. Tune in to Empowered with Des and Jen. They've been in the same place and have learned to regain control of their lives. They also feature amazing guests who share experiences of how they have found success. Start on your journey by listening Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Listening to Chantel Inspires. To reach the show, call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chantel at ChantelInspires.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hello and welcome back. We have our wonderful guest today, Joe Hosman, the author of Go For It, and she is talking to us today about um, overcoming grief, and we'll get into some of her, what she's doing now, uh, some of her businesses here in a little bit. Now, Joe, you talked about losing your husband, who was so dear to you and your son. Can you give us some pointers as to how you were able to overcome that grief because I know trying to get up the next day and then the next day and the next day has got to be so difficult in such a terrible time. I mean, I know that you knew it was coming because it was a terminal illness, but you're never ready for it, are you? No, you know, when death is so final, that's what I say, you know, divorce seems like, because I've been divorced and um, widowed, so death is final. And there's no coming back from it. And when that hit me, it was just like, wow. It's just like a whole like brick was thrown on me and thrown on my whole body. It's like, and mm-hmm. I tried to smile when I'd be out, but there were so many times I just, people come up and hug me and how you doing? I just start crying. And Oh, yeah. But when he was going through the depths of his illness, I am the eternal optimist. Now, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I'm a realist, I'm a pessimist, whatever, but I'm the eternal optimist. And he needed a liver transplant. He was not a drinker, but it was um, 
due to something else. So I just said, well, let's go get a liver. Let's move on with this. Come on. You know, we got things to do. We got life to live. Well, that's not necessarily the case. When the doctor told me, we had probably into about a year and a half of him being diagnosed. He wasn't getting any better. And I knew they had told me that he's not going to get better until he gets a liver. Well, he had up and down days. It was a constant roller coaster ride. Oh. And I loved it when he was feeling good. And he, because he, he always wanted to have a date night. Every month we had a date night. Aww. So it was always so fun to have date nights. And I felt like his wife again. Well, then he would, you know, delve back into the depths of sickness. And well, then I had to be his nurse again. So it was that constant. Mm-hmm. Well, and being the eternal optimist, I thought, well, okay, I can deal with this because of the fact that I know he's going to get better. Right. I honestly did not let myself believe that he was ever going to pass. Oh. And I thought to myself, well, if he does get this liver, then we've we got a lot of work ahead of us, but that was okay. Mm-hmm. Until the doctor said, we finally got a really good doctor that knew because what he had really mimicked liver cancer, but it wasn't liver cancer. Oh. He had actually had hepatitis C that... Um, he actually got it from a tattoo, so I'll just be honest. He got it from a tattoo, which Ugh. then ended in end-stage liver disease. Oh, that's so, awful. Yeah, and he, he was hardly a drinker at all. And he was just, he always, but he always had a positive attitude. He grew up with an alcoholic mother, and he would get up every day. Today's, today's a positive day. Today's a positive, awesome day. I'm like, all right, come on. Now it's snowing <laughs> or it's raining or whatever the day was going to bring. He goes, nope. You know what, Joe? We're alive. We're you know it's going to be a great day. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess it's going to be a great day. Which, again, I started taking classes when I was about 30, 31 about positivity, mm-hmm. and I when I really learned to train my brain right after I met him. Actually, when I learned to train my brain to think positive, you really do see life in a different light. Yes, because you do. When I'm still if I there's days I'm negative or things aren't going so right. Man, it just like brings you down. So when the doctor told me that, or told us that people with this illness only live about uh, two and a half to three years without a liver, Mm. and all of a sudden it hit me, I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been at this a year and a half. We only really have another year to go, year and a half to go. That's when it hit me. I was like, whoa. And and then he walked out of the room. He just let us kind of sink that in. And Jim was, was pretty sick at that time. And I said, do you understand what he just meant? And he looked at me and goes, yeah. He goes, it's time for me to go home. Oh I said, well, gosh. we can't go home yet. We're, you've got to get dressed. And, you know, to me, I'm just like, go home to our house. Yeah. And he goes, no. He says, it's home to heaven, Joe. I'm ready to go home. Oh, my. And I'm like, no, uh-uh, not happening. Not under <laughs> my watch. You know, you're not going. Well, as, as he got sicker and things just weren't going as we thought, he ended up going into ICU. To you, and then on his birthday in June, he was told that he was now sick. And unfortunately, and I don't know why this is, but you have to be almost on your deathbed to get a new liver. Ugh. And he was told on his birthday that he's getting a new liver. Oh, yay! Yeah, it was exciting. So we flew out to Pittsburgh. That's where he had to go. Mm-hmm. Well, we flew out there, and it just didn't progress. And they ended up telling me that he wasn't was not going to get a liver. Oh. And they said, "Well, do you want him to die here? Do you want him to die back in South Dakota?" Oh, my goodness. I go, are you kidding me with this? I said, you know what? I'll be hell-bent. He ain't passing away here. I said, Mm -hmm. I'm getting him back on the plane, and we're going to go back to South Dakota where family and friends can come see him. Absolutely. So I knelt down by his side of his bed, and I said, whatever you do, please hold on until we get back to South Dakota. You know, we want people to come and see you. And I told him everything that the doctor had told me. Even though he couldn't hear me, well, 
he wasn't responsive at that time, put it that way. So we we got him back to South Dakota, and he passed away uh, four days later, the day before my birthday. Oh, my. And the thing is, we loved our birthday so much that Mm. I think to him that was his way of saying, it's okay. It's, you know, it's time for me to move on now. But afterwards, I... And I always try to keep a positive attitude. And when people see me out, how are you doing, Joe? Fine, fine, good, I'm good. Don't mm-hmm. worry about me. Until somebody said to me at church one day, I know what you're going through because my late wife was sick for a long time. And I remember looking up at him and tears just starts, because nobody ever said that to me before. And tears starts drilling me down. I said, you do? And he goes, I do. He said she was sick for like three years. And he had been remarried with another family now. Mm-hmm. And he just gave me a great big hug, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody actually understands. So after that, i that's when I started journaling. And ironically enough, my son had graduated in May of 2010, and then he had to have major jaw surgery in June of that oh same my. year. Same time he was having that, Jim went into ICU at a different hospital, and then he was transferred to Pittsburgh. I had to get somebody to come sit with Cody because he couldn't be left alone after his major surgery. Mm-hmm. Then in July, Jim passes away. In August, Cody goes off to college. Ugh. So it's a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. And then I really had to determine to take my life back and how I was going to do it. And people were so generous to me. They were so kind and so, um, you know, people just call me talk for hours. And one lady called me, and I hadn't seen her in a couple of years, but we talked for three hours. But then after that, I decided to start taking my life back. But people said, one gal in particular that I really respected, that's when she said, you really need to journal. You need to journal your feelings. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm too scared. <laughs> I don't want to go through all that again. I don't want to relive that again. But since I didn't do it at that time, because you're right, we're trying to take care of everything, you know, it was good yeah. to do it again. During the depths of his illness, about six months, eight, probably eight, nine months before he passed away, I was having a lot of physical problems myself, a lot more stomach issues. So I decided to go back to kickboxing. <laughs> that was probably the one of the best things I've ever done because it got a lot of my stress out. I still go to kickboxing today. It's mm-hmm. a lot of the stress out. Even the instructor would be like, picture that person on the bag who you want to hit, but you can't hit them in real life. So <laughs> that's what I did. I used to picture the doctors, the nurses, whoever you know I was upset with. But in reality, you know, he's Jim is where he wants to be. Right. You know, he realizes home is in heaven, and he's where he wants to be. We honored his wishes. But the best thing for me is I honored our marriage vows. Right. Death do us part. And I can say with um, the utmost respect for myself that I honored those, even through Mm -hmm. the toughest of times. And and he wanted to be buried. He was cremated, and he wanted to be spread in Colorado where he grew up, and that's exactly what we did. Cody Mm -hmm. and I took his ashes out to Colorado. And so I'm so thankful now for the life that we had, but I'm also yeah. thankful now for the life that I have now. Oh, yes. So Now, tell me, and, and I could be wrong here, but because I've never had to care for somebody with a terminal illness, while you're going through that and being his nurse, um, taking care of him, did it kind of take away from being the wife? I mean, well, how, how does that line, how is that line crossed or not crossed? Or do you understand the question, what I'm trying oh, yeah. to? <laughs> oh, yeah. I get asked that question a lot because I talk okay. about that a lot. Yeah. Um, what I say to people is I always, I just wanted to be his wife. I didn't want to be a nurse. Like I say, mm-hmm. back when I was in college, I always wanted to be a nurse. But 
I didn't yeah. want to do all the studying. So little did I know that all of a sudden now I was going to play nurse. He was on 14 different medications at one time. Mm-hmm. I had to make sure that they're all, you know, lined up and ready to go, which was fine. But at one point I said, you know what? I, I don't know if I can handle all this responsibility anymore. I needed, I knew when I finally had to ask for help because trying to run a business, raise a child and care for a sick husband was a lot. Yeah. And I know people have endured a lot more than that, but for me at that time, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I had to play his nurse, I, I mean, there were times I would get resentful. I'm like, I don't want to be the nurse today. I just want to be the wife. I want to be the business owner. I want to be the mom. I mm-hmm. want a normal, I always said I want a normal life. Well, every day we wake up, we're creating our new normal. And every day that he was sick, we had to create our new normal. And that was probably the hardest part for me because I wanted a wonderful life with the husband of my dreams and my son. And, you know, mm-hmm. and so that was really hard for me. But now I look back and I can cherish that time. But at that time, there were times, I, there were days I was, I was on it and I, you know, I did everything I was supposed to. And every day I did everything I was supposed to. But there are days I would go out to the country and I would just scream and cry. There were days, I, of course, when I started going back to kickboxing, I would walk <laughs> a lot. My friends and I would walk a lot at night. Mm-hmm. And then I finally had to ask for help. Yeah. I had to ask for help from the nurses. Uh, we had home health care come in. And for me, I was in my early 40s. He was in, he was in his early 50s. And to me, that was embarrassing. But yet I was so thankful that they came to help because I needed it. So you had some in-home care then, so it wasn't just you at the end? Well, they would just come in and spend like an hour, hour and a half with him about once or twice a week. Or he was on a program with the VA that he could go and spend like a week there. And then if he was doing okay, he could come home for a while. Or then he would go back, depending on how he was doing. They had test piloted... uh, um, like a home nursing care. Mm-hmm. He stayed at somebody's home for like a month, but then he got too sick. He couldn't stay there. Uh-huh. And they were nurses year, around the clock for him there. Okay. So there was different programs that we tested, but really him being at the VA, they took excellent care of him. Just ex- the one in Sioux Falls, South Dakota took excellent care of him. And I was really thankful that they did because I needed that break. Yeah. And I will say since he's passed, I have not stepped foot in that VA again. Oh, I bet it would be just devastating mm-hmm. to have to go through there again. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just I I choose not to go, but I haven't had anybody <laughs> there either that I've had to go see. So, right. Oh, Joe, your story is is so compelling, and I just I can't even imagine. And I hope that I don't have to go through that, but you just never know. Um, yeah, we're gonna go to commercial here and hopefully you will return with us, and we will have Joe Hussman when we return. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. 
There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Chantel Inspires. To reach the show, call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chantel at ChantelInspires.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hello and welcome back to Chantel Inspires. Today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Jo Hosman. She is the author of Go For It. And she is uh, telling us about how her book got started, how she overcame or is trying to overcome her husband's death. And Jo, you just spoke to us about how you did and how you were able to overcome things. Now, you do have a son. How was it for him? I know it's not his biological father, but he was just as good as one. How did he handle this situation? Sure. Well, I will tell you, when he was in high school, he was a good kid. He really was. You know, he liked to maybe push the buttons a little bit like any teenager <laughs> would. But And ultimately, I had no problems with him whatsoever. And I'm so thankful because of the fact that he actually, you know, kids are so smart and they're so good at perceiving things differently than what we do because they don't have as much, they don't have as many things to think about. Like, and that's kind of how I think about it. But he could see things better than I could. And he'd always tell me, say to me, mom, just tell me the truth. Hmm. And I always like to sugarcoat it because I don't want to see my son hurt. Right. And I'd be, again, the eternal optimist. I'm like, no, he's going to be fine. Um, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah. And he'd come home from school and he goes, where's Jim? Well, either he was in the hospital or mm-hmm. he was in bed sleeping or he was up watching TV or maybe he'd run an errand or something. So it was kind of got to be that, where's Jim? Where's Jim? Every time he'd come home from school. And I would just like, I would just cringe because I didn't want to have to always answer while well, he's back in the hospital. Yeah. And But Cody was really outgoing. He was involved with a lot of things in high school. And so he really kept himself busy. But when he came home, he would get quiet. And it worried me because I knew how outgoing he was. Mm-hmm. And I encouraged him always to talk, you know, talk about your feelings, talk about that. He didn't always do that. And maybe he just didn't feel comfortable because I don't think he wanted me to know everything he was feeling. Yeah. So a month after Jim passed, he went off to college. And there was quite a bit of partying involved, which that happens <laughs> anyway when you go off to college. And but, remember, I had him as a student, so I know. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. You did. <laughs> and I remember myself when I went off to college. <laughs> but the thing is, I I accepted it. And he was about three and a half hours away. 
So a couple years after he was in college and he decided to move back home and go to a local college, I said to him, I said, how did this affect you? And he goes, Mom, it affected me bad. He said, I was partying a lot. And I said, I know you were. I would go up. I would drive three and a half hours on a Saturday morning, have lunch with them for like maybe an hour. And then he'd be like, okay, Mom, you can go home now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Then I did. I went on home. But I, I had to have that time with him. Yes. I had to I had to hold him and give him a hug and, you know, just see him, how he's doing. You know, mother's intuition is is like no other. Yeah. And I just knew I had to be. So I would do that at least once or twice a month. And just for my own personal feeling, but also for his, I would count down the days until he'd come home. But I know he partied a lot. And I just, I prayed for him every night. I prayed for him all the time just to be safe, to be safe in his choices, be safe in what he was doing. So I was really glad once he moved home so I could keep a better eye on him. Once he turned 21, uh, yeah, well, you know, he he got in maybe a little bit of trouble. But the thing is, he rebounded. Because every yeah. decision we make, we learn from, no matter if yes. it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. But we learn more from the bad decisions than we learn from the good decisions. Right. So the one good thing about time is, first of all, it heals. But secondly, we can learn from what we've done. And he oh. has... I'm, you know, so thankful to say now he is doing wonderfully. He's um, engaged to be married to a wonderful woman. And, but during that time, and I will tell, I tell lots of people, I said, you know, high school was a breeze. It's that ages between like 20 and 23, 24, not, not so much. It's really because they're trying to find their own way and they're trying to find out who they are, yet they're still trying to break away from the nest. Yeah. So I really kept a close eye on him as much as I could, but yet trying to give him the freedom. Yeah. But I will tell you, it was um, he did party a lot. But again, he was right out of right into college, and but you know he turned his life around and is doing really really well. Good, that's good. So, <laughs> did he ever say what helped him turn it around, or just time? You think? I don't think he actually specifically said. Mm-hmm. I think it helped him to write the book. Um, okay. As well, he actually wrote the forward to it. I was gonna, ha- I was include him in a few of the chapters, but he mm-hmm. was so young yeah. when I was writing the early chapters that he doesn't really remember. So finally, the publisher said, "You know what? Let's just have him write the forward and give his synopsis of what happened." So that was good, and that was perfect. Oh, good. And I think having him help along the way. So I would send him each chapter as I got done, mm-hmm. and that I think really opened up his eyes to what I went through. As Because when I first decided mm-hmm. to write the book, I wanted to write about veterans, and I wanted to be able to help veterans who mm-hmm. were going through similar circumstances and write about Jim. And the publisher said, you know, you don't know his story. You right. know what you went through helping him with his story. And that was like, whoa, yeah, you're right. So when Cody wrote the foreword, I can kind of get a glimpse of, like, kind of what he went through. And we talked about mm-hmm. it a lot. He had moved mm-hmm. out. He moved out of state for a year, and that helped him a lot, too. Helped him, again, grow up. Right, Just like all of us have to do when we're young and in our 20s that we're partying and doing those type of things. But, and I'm not going to say over-party, but, you know, as young people do, they have their fair share. And I and I did the same thing. But <laughs> it, because growing up and just, you know, knowing that you are worth it and that, you know, life does go on. And for a lot of young people, they don't always see that side of it. Yeah, as we heard in last week's show, they don't they don't foresee anything 
good coming in the future. Exactly. They just see what's right in front of them and nothing beyond that. And that's so devastating to some people. Absolutely. Um, And I think when I wrote my book and, and my daughter read some of it, I think then she realized what I was going through too. And and they don't do that as we're going through this because they're too focused on, I think we all are too focused on what we are going through. Right. And not what others around us are going through. Right. And so I. And you know, when, as, as children of any age, you always pray for them and hope that they do the best and make the best choices, Mm -hmm. but they're human just like all of us. Mm-hmm. And I know along the way, I haven't always made the best choices. Um, and he, but he, like I said, he has done very well for himself. Yeah. Very proud of him. He's not a typical, I don't know, I don't know why people call him yeah. typical millennials, but he has really done well. And I give him all the kudos in the world because he overcame a lot. And sometimes that's not easy to do. And because yeah. he lost a dad, you know, his right. dad. And, yeah. but... Now that his wedding, he is going to have a picture of Jim at the wedding. I heard that. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we only have a couple minutes left here. So, Joe, I want you to be able to tell people how they can uh, reach out to you, how they can get your book, how they can uh, find out more information about all the wonderful things you do, because you are certainly a shining example of how someone can inspire somebody else to overcome things that they've gone through when you think there's no end in sight and no help in sight. Well, thank you, Chantal. So appreciative yeah. you let me come on your show. Oh, I appreciate you, you being really, here. You're really good at this, too. You're a very good interviewer, I, I will tell you. So <laughs> keep up the great work on that. Thank but you. for my, uh, my, my information, go to joehosman.com. So I'm the female Joe, so that's J-O, joehosman.com. <laughs> that's J-O-H-A-U, then S as in Sam, M-A-N. There, I have a free 15-minute go-for-it discovery strategy session. So if you're interested in some business or life coaching, you can certainly sign up for that free uh, thing there. And we can certainly set up a time and talk. I also have my book there. And I have coaching sessions and lots of fun things there on the site. So, yeah, you can go there to joehosman.com or email me joe at joehosman.com. We can certainly talk. Wonderful. Joe, I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. And for all of those of you out there that are listening and feeling like you just can't overcome whatever's going through your your heart and your life today, just take it day by day because tomorrow's going to be a different day. It's going to be a better day. And be the light in somebody else's darkness because you never know what they're going through. And your smile or your nice comment could just mean the world to somebody. So thank you all for joining us. Again, thank you, Joe, for being here. And we will see you next week, same time, same place. So I hope you join in. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chantel Inspires. We hope you found personal inspiration in today's show and can take control of your life as well as be a light for others. Be sure to tell others about the show and tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.